This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you will live like Jesus and share His love. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to episode 60 of the podcast. I honestly, I don't remember what episode we're on. I've gotten kind of lax in my uh, episode tracking. I think it's 65, but it might be 66. So I'm not sure. But as we mentioned on last week's episode, Pastor JB is traveling today. He left right after service. He's got a business trip that he's got to go on. So I decided to bring in a very special guest. I'm sorry, Chris Kidd, that you will now no longer be my favorite podcast co-host. Uh, no pressure. Oh, boy. Because, <laughs> because I have my wife, Nicole, here with me. Hello. So, uh, Hi, I'm Nicole. Nicole Harma. We have the same last name. We do. Uh, it works out really well that way. Uh, yeah. But we're here coming to you, uh, not live, but we're coming to you from my friend's house, They've graciously allowed us to use the space, so we're we're just mixing everything up today. We uh, we don't have coffee because <laughs> we didn't make coffee. Uh, JP's not here. We're not in the studio. We're not in our normal fill-in spot. So we're just like shake, rattle, rattle and roll. This uh, which this honestly, I think it's kind of it's kind of fun because this this actually reminds me. When Joshua was in college, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into your your podcast guy. When he was in college, he had to interview me. And so this kind of actually feels like that. So we have like this old video where I'm like super pregnant. Remember I'm wearing like a red shirt and I've got bangs. And he was just like, he had to learn how to practice active listening. And so... It kind of brings me back to that. So my my schooling, all of my uh, college stuff was in healthcare. So I went for occupational therapy and I had various therapeutic intervention classes. And for a lot of those, and you've got to look at um, kind of interviewing styles, active listening, all of these different things. They wanted to actually see you demonstrate this. So we had to shoot some videos, but go back even further. Right, go back to our teenage years, and it was actually Nicole. People often don't believe me when I tell them that I am an introvert. I am, uh, and I was, in, I would say, an extreme introvert when I was a teenager. And back in the day, when people would talk on the telephone as kind of a primary means of communication, uh, Nicole and I, when we were first getting to really kind of show an interest in each other, we would we would have phone calls with one another. And I was not uh, very good at those. And I remember one time, like we're on the phone, uh-huh. and Nicole says, "All right, hey, here's here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say something to you and ask a question. That's like me passing you a ball, right? And then, and then, you say something back, and you ask me a question. That's like you throwing the ball back." to me <laughs> and this is essentially how I learned to have a conversation oh yeah so, so like I, I love how actually Pastor Ryan brought that up in service today about how he grew up with the purity culture which is something that we also grew up with so um, my parents you know were, were really into that so I actually wasn't even allowed to call a boy which is so hard for me because I love people and I love talking and so I kind of like had to almost go through 
through the grapevine to get Joshua, someone to tap on his shoulder to be like, hey, Nicole really wants you to call her. So it was after a missions trip. We went on a missions trip to, to Chile in Santiago, and we really connected there. And, um, and anyway, so I just really wanted to call him after that because I was like, oh, he's so cool. But I couldn't because of that culture that we grew up, very similar to Pastor Ryan. Um, and so when he finally did call, oh, I was so ecstatic. And I'd be like, hey, how are you doing? And he'd be like, fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, what'd you do today? Mm, nothing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so Give me more information. I need something to go on. So yeah, so then I just kind of got this analogy about bouncing a ball back and forth. And that really seemed to take root. And now we can talk for quite a long time, obviously. So it's it's fun. Yeah, we got to the point where Pastor JB and I have to, we, we decided last time we're going to be very disciplined and keep our episodes to an hour. Although I don't have a timer running now. Uh, uh, yeah. You just have to watch your watch. What, two minutes ago we started? Sure. So that would be kind of our, our gauge there, trying to make sure that we're not going overly long. But yeah, I'm super excited to have yeah, I'm my wife Nicole on the episode. It's going to be good. And it's kind of cool. It's, it's fitting, right, that we're talking about the second installment in our ER series, Emotionally Healthy, Holy Relationships. And today's whole topic was about the elephant in the room. How do we deal with the elephant in the room? Uh, before we get like kind of in the weeds, just knee-jerk reaction, what are one or two things that just grabbed your attention in the message today? Well, I mean, there were so many different things that I, I felt like, oh man, I could just totally dive into this and I could dive into that. You know, even just being able to, you know, how do you develop good communication? Um, because I agree with what Rasika was saying and some of her, her, you know, why, why we wouldn't want to have these hard conversations. Um, you know, fear, I think is a big one. Like I really don't like conflict. I, I don't, you know, that's really hard for me to go into, but I also really feel like being able to say the hard things with truth and grace, um, is just critical. You know, we've had so many conversations, uh, that, that, that everything that he would bring up, I'd be like, oh my goodness, this could be like a, a fix and listen or support conversation. We'll or, get into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll circle back to that because that's a really good tool to use. Or even how am I coming across, you know, because sometimes when I know that I have to have hard conversations, especially with you, I'd be like, all right, here's the elephant in the room that we need to address. And then I don't know for sure if I'm being received right or, you know, I'm passionate about it because obviously our relationship and our, our communication, like all of our life, it matters so much. So I rise passionately, but I know sometimes you've said that it feels like an attack, you know? Well, and some of it, right? So temperament wise, personality, you know, I do think that plays into some of this, right? But, but you're sanguine, right? You're, you're, you're more bubbly, right? You tend to process things out loud. Yeah. Whereas I'm a melancholic, I process internally. So sometimes, and this has been a really cool aspect of learning about temperament theory, the I said this, you heard that, and yeah. incorporating that yeah. is not being somebody who typically processes out loud. I will usually speak once I've kind of arrived at a, a more refined or kind of final version so it can be easy for me to hear you thinking out loud 
And I assume, oh, well, that must be your final, oh. <laughs> your final version. Right, we're done. And I don't think I like that final version. <laughs> versus, right. she's doing externally right. what I've I've done internally, right? And, and this isn't her conclusion. This is just yeah. part of her process of of working through the issue. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I really love that. I really love that. We have done a lot to develop this communication style starting all the way back when we were younger to, you know, even now we're still working at it. Um, marriage retreats were just, I know, so big in, in us learning how to how to talk about those things and, and you know, just develop those different tools. Um, you know, I love that you, you brought up counseling, you know, that's been such a big, uh, helpful thing because, you know, I, I know I, I, my bandwidth isn't, isn't very big. <laughs> and so, you know, if I get to listen to a podcast, I am super pumped, uh, read a whole book. I'm, I'm crazy dyslexic. So it takes me a thousand years to read a book, um, which is why I love audible. Did say audible is our friend. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I probably just said that wrong, but anyway, words are my friend. And, uh, <laughs> So anyway, uh, as, as we're, we're doing these things, I was like, it's definitely worth it to me to go ask somebody else who can read all the books really fast, who have all the nuggets and can just like kind of pour into me. Here's the problem. How do I fix it? And, and then we kind of just go from there. And I think for both of us, we've found a lot of healing through that. Um, so, you know, Pastor Ryan talks, talked about, you know, being self-aware. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that I think counseling really helps you go into a safe place where they teach you how to become self-aware, you know, and then they uh, can just gently guide you to those areas that, you know, maybe those elephants that you don't even see, you know, how he was saying, you know, Katie helped him uh, find those things in his own life that he wasn't able to see, but she did it with, you know, truth and grace. And well, and then another piece of that is the awareness of how I respond to those things. When, when I have blinders on for something, right, and, and you bring something to my attention, uh, the awareness of how I respond. Because, yeah. you know, oftentimes we respond to those things, and this has been true at, in different seasons of, of our marriage, right? You bring something to me, and I don't always respond very well. Yeah. Right? So, so <laughs> learning to have the self-awareness to realize, like, okay, hmm, she brought this to me. The way that I'm responding, I'm... I'm actually making this worse by the way that I'm responding. So developing that self-awareness, I think is really crucial. Just the awareness of your own emotional temperature. And that was a huge win for us. And I would say for me in particular, you know, going through counseling when we first went is, is really developing a vocabulary for emotions. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say I didn't really have it. It's like, well, how are you feeling? I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how to articulate the things that I'm experiencing on an emotional level. So that was a huge part of the, that counseling journey for me. Well, because a lot of things like someone will ask, how are you doing? You know, and we had to change that to how are you feeling? Because, um, and then we had to learn those feeling words, you know, because it's a lot harder to to address things in our relationship, not having the right vocabulary for it, you know? So like I would say, you know, like, how are you doing? And he would say, oh, I'm tired. I'm, you know, got a five 5,000 things going on. Right, I'm, I'm busy. I feel I'm busy. I'm busy. 
you know, yeah. and, but that doesn't communicate anything to me because I, I could say like, you know, hey, is it a good tired or a bad tired? Because Joshua loves being productive. So if it's a good tired, it's because like, yeah, I just accomplished a lot. I'm tired, but you know, things are going well. Um, I'm super busy. I could see that as, okay, are you stressed out or are you feeling like on top of the moon? Like I'm, I'm, I'm motivated. I've got purpose. I've done all right. these things. And, and at the end of the day, like busy isn't an emotion. No. So if she's asking how I'm feeling, I'm like, oh, I'm busy. That's not an emotion. That's not an emotion. That's, that's, not, a, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a... That's a statement about, you know, how I'm perceiving things, but it's not actually an emotion. Right. So learning how to actually uh, engage with our emotions has, that's been a huge part of kind of our journey that has contributed in a, I think, a helpful way to those situations where there's an elephant in the room and one of us has to address this thing. Because if I'm in a place where I'm not emotionally healthy, uh, the way that we navigate this elephant will probably be limited, if not totally, kind of a train yeah. wreck. Yeah. So well, and, and we and I've talked about that. Like I've learned a lot about like how do you how does one become emotionally healthy? You know, like how can I get myself into a place? You know, kind of going back to the the teaching, like inwardly, how do I? fix, you know, this potential unsteadiness. And I really loved, like I had listened to a podcast um, and they had talked about what emotionally healthy people look like. And, and they would give different scenarios like, okay, emotionally healthy is somebody who is receptive versus reactive. And so when somebody brings something to you that's like, hey, this was really hard for me, our natural response is to be like, well, yeah, you did this and you did that. And that's a reactive response. That's not a healthy response. And it's, it's deflecting. It's like a victim mentality. It's, it's blame. Like we're, we're, we're called to the carpet for something when we, and unfortunately, I mean, <laughs> I've done this. Right? Still trip up sometimes. <laughs> I mean, like, like something is brought to my attention of, of, you know, some elephant in the room that has to be dealt with. And if I spin it and turn around, well, well, did you know what you did? They we're missing it. Right. We're missing because it. then that reactive explosion is, you know, like if I'm coming to Joshua to share my heart, to say like, hey, uh, this thing we got to work through. And, and once we do, we're going to be better for it. But if he's saying, well, no, and he dismisses it, it's almost like he's also dismissing me. And then it's really easy to be hurt and be broken and be like, you are my safe place. And in my safe place, instead of being receptive, hey, thank you for telling me that. It's hard to hear. And I, it is upsetting for me because he's allowed to have an emotional response after I've emotionally charged him. Um, you know, then, then it's like, well, can, now we can be productive. Hey, thanks for letting me know what this is. Let's work through it now. And, and sometimes like Joshua said, like, we haven't always done a good job of that. Like sometimes we'll, I'll bring up an elephant or he'll bring up an elephant. And then we go back to our, our, I feel like our natural, like probably sin nature response of being like, oh yeah, well, guess what? You know, you didn't do this right. And you didn't do that right. Um, Instead of just focusing at the problem uh, at hand, we get so distracted with just wanting to be justified. And, and, and you know, no, that's not true. Well, and then it just escalates. Like, I mean, we all do, we make the elephant bigger. Yeah. Right? So Nicole comes to me and says, hey, like, here's an elephant. I'm like, no, well, here's your elephant. And she's like, well, no, your elephant. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. like, our elephants are like, they're, they're yeah. duking it out, you know? Right. 
Right. And that's not helpful. <laughs> and, and sometimes, again, we, we've had that. So I remember one night, Josh and I, we were, we were dressing one of our elephants or whatever. And, um, and, and, and honestly, I, I literally like take a break and, and, I, and I go to the, I'm just going to say it. I, was, I went to the bathroom and I'm just like sitting on the toilet praying to Jesus. <laughs> like, it's a good place to pray. <laughs> I mean, some people feel closest to Jesus when they're in the shower. I mean, anywhere, anywhere you can, you can talk, you can have a conversation with the Father. Uh, the Heavenly Father will always answer. So, um, yeah, you can be that close. And so I was just sitting on the toilet and, and Joshua and I just, just had a, a, a fight or whatever. And I was just praying. I was like, Lord, help me to, you know, just, just do these things and help me to, help me to know what to do here. And I remember the father just saying so lovingly and gently and gracefully, that's how I know the father talks to me. Um, th that's not how he talks to everybody, but I just know for me, that's, that's how he responds to me. It's very loving and kind. And he's like, you know, Nicole, here's a question I want to point out for you. You know, this, this fight would normally trip up a rookie, but you and Josh, you guys are vets now. You've been together for a while. And I know we haven't been together as long as some of like, you know, some some more mature. Yeah, we're not we're not some experts. This will be 17 years being married. Right. We've, we've known right. each other since you were 12. I mean, so we, we've got a long history. And again, we, we're not we're not claiming we're experts, no. but no. 17 years in, hopefully we've figured a couple of things out. And and so like normally this would this would shut me down. Like if we had a conflict, my natural response is to withdraw, to shut down, to close off, space out, you know, and I'm not saying there isn't time for that, but in this specific instant, I was like, Nicole, do I want to respond like a rookie or do I want to respond like a vet? And a vet would get back in there and go have an amazing conversation. And then what did Ryan talk about? <laughs> Consummate the marriage. <laughs> go get it done. And I'm just saying like, and, and so it was just this uh, uh, divine appointment where God just seriously shows up. So I go back in there, we go figure out our conversation and we get it done. And it was just great. <laughs> so now we have this, uh, we have this conversation. We use the, we use the rookie or the vet, which, at some point, again, we're not experts. No. One, one of the one of the things that we have found a theme, kind of as we've grown and learned a lot of things the hard way, right, in marriage, uh, is we rely heavily on questions. Yes. Again, not an expert, but I, I want at some point to sit down with Nicole and actually write a book based on the questions. And we might we might tap into a few of those here today. But that's one of them. Like, hey, is this is this how a fat would respond to that? Like Right. Come on, you're going to let this this right. little thing trip you up? Right. Am I going to shut down or am I going to show up? <laughs> no, it, it brings me back. And this is a practice that we incorporated early on in marriage. It was actually, it got brought up in our premarital. And it was a, it was a tool that we utilized pretty regularly for a while in marriage. We haven't anymore. Some of that is because we've, we've kind of developed some of those grooves and, and know how to do it more on the fly, but the, the practice, and I'm pretty sure we took this from uh, Les and Leslie Parrott's uh, material, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, it's called Sharing With Holds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sharing With Holds. And this is kind of a, a, a micro version of addressing elephants in the room. Uh, what this practice is, is, is once a week or once a day, I mean, whatever, you know, you find your, your rhythm. But you actually sit down uh, with your spouse. You can do this in a friendship. You can do this in a workplace environment. Again, 
we we utilized it in the context of marriage. But man, maybe you're a you run your own company or you run a team at work. This could be an interesting thing to incorporate in those relationships. But the way that it works is we sit down and you you bring up to the person kind of a predetermined number of things. So let's say three. We always did three. Yeah, seemed like a good number. I'm going to bring up three things from the last week that you did that I appreciated. Mm, yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to bring these things to you. I haven't said anything up until this point. But I say, man, over this last week, what are some things Nicole has done that I haven't expressed appreciation for? And I bring those to her. And the only thing she is allowed to say in response is thank you. Thank you. And now you transition and you could flip-flop these if you want to end on a positive note or whatever. But now you you move into the, the piece where you look over the last week and what are three things that happened that frustrated you? Hey, you know what? Nicole comes to me and she says, I was frustrated. Like Folding you know, towels. Right. That was our, our first fight was about folding towels. And so maybe she comes to me and says, you know, hey, we had this conversation about towels. They were still folded uh, incorrectly, and I was frustrated by that. The only thing I'm allowed to say in return is thank you. Right? So this is a way to bring some of those, those little irritations that over time, right, if we, if we let little irritations go long enough, they become a pretty big elephant. Yeah. Right? If we, if we constantly, uh, like we just grit in our teeth, like over time, those things can build up and it becomes a pretty significant barrier to, to emotionally healthy connection. Again, roll us out in your workplace. Maybe you lead a team yeah. and, and you say, all right, hey guys, once a week, man, what are things that you appreciated about each other or about me as a, as a leader? Uh, what are things that frustrated you over this last week in our, in our line of work that you know I contributed to or whatnot? And the only thing you're allowed to say in response is thank you. Now, some of it might spark necessary conversation down the road. And you're like, oh man, there are some themes here. Maybe we've got to address some of this and equip it, right? But in that moment, it's not time to say, well, if you knew everything, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and I, and I love that, that kind of that angle too, because, you know, sometimes it's like, we have to go to the person about the elephant but if you create this culture of self-awareness by asking those kind of questions, no matter what relationship or situation you're in, be it family, friends, or business, you could already establish a safety way for them to come to you with those things that you might not be aware of. So by saying like, if you are, let's say a boss and you're like, hey, how, how are we doing as a team? How am I doing as a leader? I mean, that definitely brings a, a high level of vulnerability mm -hmm. Um, you know, Pastor Ryan even talked about that. Anytime you start addressing elephants in the room, there is definitely a high level of vulnerability. But I feel like the more um, emotionally healthy we can get by, you know, staying calm in those situations, you know, when somebody does bring something really heavy to you or even inviting that something really heavy in, that's like a next level, um, you know, it is, is remembering the heart behind the action. Not everybody is always going to be able 
able to come to you calmly. You know, it, the goal is to come with truth and grace, but let's be honest, it doesn't always come out with truth and grace and then you've, you've got this elephant and now you wanna get into this like fist fight. But if you're inviting it in, remembering the heart behind the action is critical. Like Ryan, he knew Katie's heart and so he remembered that through the hard thing that they had to look at. And I think really we can do that in, in, in any real situation. If we can remember the heart behind the action or the irritation, like that's going to take us like, you know, so much further in being receptive instead of just being reactive and being like, I'm shutting you down. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to the idea of cultivating curiosity. Yeah. Because if, if, if this is a person that I would otherwise, I mean, and, and it won't always be, right? I get that. I get that. But if this is a person who, otherwise, I would normally, like, I think this person is pretty cool. I trust this person. You know, I've got some level of respect for this person. If they come with me, to me with something, and it kind of, I'm shocked a little bit, but but if I can kind of remain curious, and go, okay, well, this person that I know and love and respect or care for, like, hmm. I wonder what is happening that this is kind of how they're experiencing me. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's something to that, right? Rather than like, hey, normally I love and trust you, but you, know, you say anything bad about me, it's, you know, we're going to fight. <laughs> right. Like, not. That's not, that's not a, an emotionally healthy response. It's understandable, right? We do that. We want to protect our own self-image. Sometimes it's pride, ego, you know, whatever. There could be a variety of reasons. Uh, but yeah, we have to be you know, willing to just ask that question. Well, hmm. What if they're right? <laughs> you know right, what I mean? And, right. and allow for that curiosity. I'm going to quick peek, make sure it's still recording. Okay. I no, got that paranoid. sounds good. <laughs> I got to get paranoid since that one time it stopped. Okay. I, okay. Think, we're, I think we're still we're good. Still going. Okay. So I, I do want to circle back though. Yeah. You hit on something early on and you talk about how you really don't like conflict. Oh, yeah. I'm going to guess... There are quite a few people out there that are in that same boat. And that is a, a significant barrier to them addressing some of these elephants. They don't want to rock the boat. Right. Uh, for you, what is it that, that makes you want to avoid conflict? Well, um, after doing a lot of like um, self uh, I don't know, self-health, I guess, you know, mental health. Um, I've done a lot to invest into my, well, just into my soul, but also into my mental health. And so um, through that process, I think I was able to really uh, establish something inside myself that I realized that I have an underlining fear that I will lose the relationship. That I have a fear of maybe even like abandonment is mm -hmm. a different way to say that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then I ask those questions, you know, I'm always uh, feel it, feeling that a little bit. You know, like the, the stronger I root into Jesus and keep my eyes on him, you know, the less uh, that, that really plays in. But honestly, that insecurity is still there. And so I think for me, one of the reasons I don't like having conflict is because I get really worried that the friendship or the relationship will be changed or will be over or I will be dismissed and never talked to again. And so there's a, there's a real fear there. Um, and I think also that's why I, I use a lot of words because I, I want to be so careful in the way that I say things because, you know, you don't want to say it wrong and then all of a sudden they're like, well, that 
that's a bummer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not friends with her anymore. Um, but yeah, so, so I think for me, the conflict is, is, is I just, I value the person and the relationship so much. I don't want to lose it. And I know Rasika kind of brought a point to that by saying, but if you don't have that, then do you really care about that person? And um, and actually, it's it's been great because you know as we've had you know kids and and then you get to know other moms and and you start talking about you know kids and then the kids start fighting. I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have to I have to go tell my friend that little Johnny just bit my daughter and I don't want to do that because that means our friendship might be over. Um, so it escalates really, really high. So I think uh, one of the things in conflict can just be just even those, those lies of the enemy just stacking up against you to give you all the reasons not to do that. But then I go talk to my friend about little Johnny biting our daughter and, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, please tell me because I want to know so I can go fix little Johnny's, you know, behavior or whatever. So rip little Johnny's teeth out. No. <laughs> no. But anyway, so, yeah. So I, so I think there's definitely that. And then the more that, you know, you do feel it. I think Ryan had a slide on there talking about, like, the stress of that. I can't remember. Yeah. That. So, I mean, we, we will often avoid addressing the elephant because, like, it, it stresses us out. Kind of like you're saying. Oh, yeah. This idea of, of oh. engaging in that it's a confrontation in a sense. But... But we usually don't realize that by not bringing that up, we're actually suffering a lot more and a lot longer, right? He talked about that idea, but like we just, we multiply and prolong the suffering, Yeah. right? By not addressing this thing, we're not, we're not making it better, right? Like we're actually making it worse. Yeah. We're making it a lot harder on ourselves. We're creating even more tension a lot of the times in these relationships than if we would just go and have this, you know, rip the band-aid off kind of a conversation. And instead we let things fester and and get all nasty. And I remember you talking about that. I don't know where this all originated from, but saying like 90% of the time our conversations are great. 10% of the time they're going to be uncomfortable for both you and me. And I love that kind of uh, language because then it's kind of like okay we need to have a 10% conversation and then you kind of both go into it like not ready to be like let's go but like okay I got to put myself in a good place in one sense you know and um and I, and I love how we talked about that because one of the things I've learned through mind management with um, confrontation and, and knowing that you have to address this elephant in the room is you want to just push it away because you think you know oh that's gonna you know help me long term. But one of the things I've been learning is that when you have a trauma happen in your life, uh, maybe somebody really offends you, like, okay, I say trauma, like there's some like major traumas, right? I'm talking about like little ones where, you know, somebody says something to you at work and you're like, oh man, that just came out really wrong. Or there was just a certain behavior that happened and you were just offended. Well, then what happens is your mind kind of jumps in um, and starts putting up like these little like protective parts that try and protect you. And, and one of the things that they try and do is exile pain. And, and, and so it's, it's really uh, been interesting as I've been learning these kind of mind management techniques of being like, okay, we don't want to exile all of these emotions because like Pastor Ryan said, that will create a multiplication yeah, of problems makes it worse. <laughs> down the road. And it, and, it, and it takes a lot of um, 
it takes a lot of intentionality to, to actually, first of all, be self-aware that, hey, I had this hurt you know, at work or at home when you said this thing to me. Um, and then to actually address it with the person, you know. And one of the things I really love that we've done after addressing an elephant in the room is going back and asking, how can we do this better next time? And I feel like that's been just so helpful in our relationship because um, having you know, established rules for fighting. Like once we handle a situation, one of the rules that we have is you don't go back and dredge it up, you know, like, Hey, remember those, all those elephants that you had like 17 years ago? Got a whole freaking zoo. <laughs> right. No, no, no. We already put those, we already took care of those. They're, they're, they're fed. They're taken care of. We're fine. We shot those elephants out of their heads on the wall. <laughs> all right. They're fine. They're good. Sure that's illegal. Yeah, I don't think we should do that. Um, but anyway, and so so when we fight, when we come to these uh, these conflicts, we, we stick with the one at hand. We don't go back to 17 years ago and bring up all of those old ones that we've already dealt with. We've already dealt with those. And so we stay present. But then we also sometimes have to take a break and then come back a little bit later uh, to have those conversations. Because one of the things that I remember, I don't know if this was... Um, when we were just really young, when they talked about, you know, don't going to, don't go to bed angry. Um, you know, and, and I know that that comes from, I don't remember what scripture it comes from, but, uh, so we used to stay up like super, super late at night, you know, trying to tackle this elephant. <laughs> it was not always productive or helpful. So we've, we've learned some since then that, Hey, if it's getting too late and we're not getting anywhere, like literally sometimes our bodies literally just need to sleep and or maybe need food <laughs> and then we'll be able to to hash it out better. Yeah, I mean Pastor JB has talked about this, the idea of the, the pillars. Again, he, he goes to three, I go with five, but regardless, physical is one of these things. Mm. Right? If my physical health, you know, fatigue, hunger, you know, any of these different things, if that's not in a great space, that's gonna affect the other things. Right? If I'm dog tired. And, you know, we're like, oh, man, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, but we haven't, we haven't, like, hashed this out yet. Like, we should probably just keep going, right? No, no. Like, this is not going to be a, a productive kind of conversation that we're going to have because I'm, I'm all kinds of out of balance. So then what we'll do is we'll say, okay, hey, let's, like, one of us calls, like, white flag <laughs> and says, hey, let's reschedule this for tomorrow morning after breakfast or, hey, after I get out of work, let's revisit this. You know, and by then we have had time to pray about this elephant. We've had time to brainstorm this elephant. A lot of times when we come back together, Holy Spirit unifies our, our, uh, our efforts, which is like so, so cool. So um, one of the things that we do too after looking at that is sometimes we will go back through the fight uh, when we're both calm and, and, and we'll talk about how can we do better next time, you know, and the reason we revisit it is not to rehash it and rework up everything. Cause I think there's a productive way to do that. And, a, and a definitely not a productive way to do that. Um, but when you do it in this healthy way, I think it really can help you learn from your past experiences. So that way you do do better next time, you know, cause you do have that, that, that advantage of, you know, looking back and being like, oh yeah, <laughs> well, I could have done that a little bit better, <laughs> you know, but I'm making the mental note so that way going forward, I can hopefully do this better. No, that's good. <clears throat>
That's good. Um, looking through my notes, what what else kind of jumped out to you from this message? I need to pick at your watch. Just make sure we're. Oh yeah, yeah. How we're doing? Um. <clears throat> Oh my goodness, let me just quick glance down at the thing. I love the story of King David. Um, you know, Pastor Ryan, like he's he's you know taught on this story many times and I've I've really dug into it. And um and I guess in one one sense I get hope from it, you know, like if King David could do all of these horrible things. If he was a really crappy dad. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, he was not a good father. No. From what we see in scripture. No, no, he didn't really. It's like almost like he didn't know how to be. But anyway, so I, I, I get hope in one sense because like if he can mess up that bad, there's definitely still hope for me, you know, that our heavenly father still loves us and will help us through the, the hard things. But I did find it super interesting how like his son, you know, Absalom, uh, you know, gets really upset because Pastor Ryan talks about King David and the story of Bathsheba. And so, you know, King David was supposed to be off to war during this time because during this season, this is when all the kings go off to war. And for whatever reason, King David stays back. And I think it's kind of cool because that actually brings up a prayer that, that I've prayed many times and try to pray every single day. Lord, help me to be in the right place at the right time and do and say the right things. And man, had, you know, David even had that kind of a prayer, you know, back then or whatnot. Maybe he would have been off where he was supposed to be. You know, I think it's also a, a testament to like his team in one sense, because his team was doing his job for him while he was spiraling or whatever he was doing. Um, so then, yeah, so then anyway, so he goes and sees Bathsheba on the roof, roof, I was going to say roof, the roof bathing. And then, you know, he ends up summoning her to come to him. They have an affair and uh, she gets pregnant. And then his, her husband is an honorable man, you know? So he tries to get sneaky and it brings her husband to like home from war. But her husband was like, no, nah, dude, we're supposed to be out like in war. Right, he had honor where David didn't like Uriah was like, hey, my place is out there in battle, which I mean, David's place was supposed to be out there in battle. Yeah. So yeah, he's not going to go home and be with his wife when all of his, his fellow soldiers are out still in the trenches, you know? Right, so David could not trick you know, Bathsheba's husband to be with her. So it would look like their baby. So then he goes the next step and has him killed, um, which is just a super sad story because obviously she gets pregnant and part of that that whole process is that she loses, you know, um, their son. And um, and anyway, he just makes a lot, of, a lot of mistakes in that process. But it just reminded me of like how important it is for us every single day to be praying those prayers of Lord, help me to be in the right place at the right time and do and say the right thing. But it also helped bring to me, bring to mind how important each one of our jobs really are. It's so easy for us to like downplay what we're doing. And, and 
it, it, it kind of like shined this light, like while Pastor Ryan was talking about, you know, hey, if, if David was in the right place, because he had certain responsibilities, he talked about that, how he had certain um, duties that would put him where he needed to be. And I think about my life, you know, I'm not a business owner, I'm not, you know, um, like employed anywhere other than the kingdom of God. <laughs> I think that um, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so, so often I think, man, is, is staying at home, folding laundry, really building God's kingdom, is doing the dishes one more time, really doing anything, you know, and it can it can feel a little daunting of being like, ugh. But when you look at it through this lens, I am where I'm supposed to be. I am in the right place at the right time doing the right things. And I used to look at that so differently and it's still a struggle for me because sometimes, you know, I just want just want to go out there and do my thing, you know? <laughs> but um, but how each one of our roles, no matter where you are, like that is your mission field and God has called you there. I mean, unless he's calling you somewhere else and you're not listening, uh, for the most part, I feel like most of us are where we need to be. And so just being really aware of, of how are we, how are we handling that well? How are we doing the job that God has given us? How are we doing that well? If King David were asking those questions, mm. He well, might not be there. Because <laughs> he, he was a serial avoider of the, the elephants in the room, right? Like even, you know, when it comes time in, in Absalom, and Pastor Ryan alluded to this, right? When Absalom is basically in a position where he's going to take over the kingdom, some people, and so there's some debate on this, some people would look at this and say, oh, look at man, David didn't dare raise a hand because he says, hey, well, if this is what God wants, Absalom... I would argue that this is actually David once again avoiding the responsibility that he has yeah. as Absalom's father and as the king of, of Israel, right? David was anointed king of Israel. Absalom wasn't. So for, for us to say, oh, look at David has such great respect for God that he wouldn't dare because, hey, what if God wants Absalom to be king? Well, then he would have anointed him king. That's how it worked then. Right, but he didn't do that. So David, he takes off. Like he runs away from another problem. And he just, he does this time and time again. And it's it's really interesting because, you know, Pastor Ryan talked about how the prophet Nathan, he comes and he has to bring this elephant to David's attention. And then in the aftermath of uh, Absalom's death, right? And now, not that he's like a squeaky clean character, but, but, in 2 Samuel chapter 19, you see uh, David's commander come. Joab comes to him and he has to address an elephant in the room because David sends his men out to go, hey, go, you know, yeah, don't kill Absalom, but go, like, get him. We got to take care of this business right here. Now, Joab, that's why I say he's not squeaky clean because he knew the king's command and he's like, now let's kill him. And yeah, he kills him. He I mean, him. again, he's not a great dude there. But. David is mourning and, and Joab has to go to him and say, bro, like you sent all of your guys out. Like Absalom is going to take over the kingdom. You've got guys that stepped up and they're going to fight for your honor, right. for your place as king. And all you're focused on is the fact that Absalom died. He's like, bro, it's like your, your men snuck into the city in shame. 
right. because of the way that you're acting. <clears throat> and if you don't get your crap together, you're not going to have a, anybody following you by nightfall. Right. And so Joel has to kind of address this. And that points out an area that can be challenging, especially go to like a workplace uh, kind of elephant situation, right? There's a power differential here, right? David's the king, right? Like he's, he's Joab's boss. Yeah. But yet Joab is like, no, look, we got to, we got to address this elephant in the room. David, chronic, uh, you know, an elephant avoider. Uh, he wouldn't do it. Joab is like, no, nah, like we got to, we got to address this thing. And then fortunately, you know, David does come around. Otherwise, again, who knows even there what would have happened. Right. So, yeah, he, was just, he did not have a great track record with elephants. Well, and the reason why we say he, he wasn't being a good dad is because, you know, the whole the whole rape story is what Pastor Ryan had brought up. You know, how he had married two different wives. One wife had a daughter and son, and one had a son. And this son crossed over, raped to this daughter. And then Absalom was the older brother. And so dad did nothing. He avoided this whole situation. My kids are being inappropriate. I don't know how to handle it. So he just kind of runs away. And then that's when you get into this elephant multiplication of chaos and horrible things. And so, yeah, Absalom took revenge, killed his brother, ran away, came back. I mean, the whole story is pretty... It's a mess. It's a it's mess. A mess. It's a mess. Um, but I just, I, I think it's, it's, it's really cool though, how, you know, even, even a guy like King David can make so many mistakes and still like God is so gracious with us. You know, he always wants us to, to come back to it, uh, come back to him. And, um, and so I see these kind of stories and, you know, and even just hearing you guys as, you know, the testimonies from, you know, pastor, Josh or JB and, you know, Rasika and, and Pastor Ryan, <clears throat> you know, we all have our own stories, you know, hopefully not anything to that, like, whoo, <laughs> you know, affairs, rapes, um, you know, murder. Stop trying to take over your empire. Kind of yeah, which I even found that part interesting, how Absalom did that. So how he tried to take over his dad's kingdom is he would he would sit at the gate and everybody would come to him you know because they're coming to the king to go tell the problems and he was kind of deceitful in that too manipulation and he's like tell me your problems and they would tell him you know all the things that were you know on their mind and he'd be like man if i were king i would fix everything but but to lean into this parents right lean into this parents absalom had a front row seat to David avoiding elephants, right? Like if, I mean, it's a possibility. Absalom is sitting there thinking, holy cow, dad has no idea how to run this kingdom. He's a good fighter, right? He's he's warrior kind of guy, but when it comes to, to this other arena, he's worthless, right? He, looks away. right? he avoids conflict. He doesn't take care of justice, mm. right? Which <laughs> as the king, this is his mandate to, to, to walk in and carry out justice. And if I'm Absalom, I'm sitting there thinking, he's not doing that. If he's not going to do that, I will do that, right? Parents, what kind of a model are we for our children, right? When they get to adulthood, man, I don't know. I think there's there's some weight there. Uh, bosses, again, let's. it's not just in a family, not just in a marriage. Bosses, right? Do you model well to your employees how to handle and navigate conflict? Mm. I mean, we get we get into that more next week, right? But but as a boss, do you address the elephants in the room? If you don't, 
but you're frustrated that your employees don't, you've not given them any sort of a model to, to actually approach those things. So I don't know, we just, we have to step back and say, oh, hmm, what kind of an example am I setting? Uh, in this, either in the way that I engage the elephants or the way that I avoid them. Both of those are an example. And uh, yeah, the, the people around us are learning good things or not good things from us. Oh yeah. Well, and that's one thing that Joshua and I have talked about too, even just like with our kids, you know, when Joshua talks about counseling or next steps, you know, um, you know, I've seen it play out where, where sometimes like, you know, if mom and dad are fighting, they'll might pull a kid in. <laughs> We're not talking about that. That's not, that's not good. They're not, they're not the objective third party that I was talking about. Right. And, and right. But I do think that it is important for kids to see what healthy conflict does look like. You know, so if we're having like a really heated, like we're just going at it, or maybe we're both like emotionally temperature checking ourselves and we're like, you know, 105, you know, we're running a little bit close to brain damage. We're not going to invite our children into that kind of a space because we want it to be a safe environment. But it is something that we have been very intentional about. Like, hey, this is the conflict that daddy and I are having when we're both calm. But that's another rule that we have when we fight. We never raise our voices because that's something that we never wanted to do with our children because we don't want to teach them that when you get like super, super mad, you scream at somebody's face, you know, let's stay calm. And if anything, let's bring our volume even lower because then they have to lean in to listen. <laughs> you whisper. They really got to pay attention. What's daddy going to do? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, versus yelling, you know, because then they get receptive, they get reactive too. Which I don't nail all the time. There are times where I, <laughs> not, I don't know that. I mean, you could, yeah. like, if I do it with you, I don't, I, I don't do a great job of that sometimes with my kids. That's still an area of, uh, but I think honestly, just the fact that we have like so many, the volume there is naturally kind of loud. So there's that too. But anyway, but I do think like if you're looking at this model of, you know, King David and what he modeled to his sons and his son, you know, he modeled to avoid all these kind of hard conflicts. Um, and we don't, we don't really want to do that. We want to dive into those conflicts. Um, you know, one of the things that I was saying we, we've tried to do and we're still learning how to do is bring our children into those, not because we want them to choose a side, but because we want them to just see, hey, yeah, um, daddy's upset about this and I'm upset about this and we're working through it. Or after the conflict is done, we'll kind of explain to them, this is how we handled it. This is what we did badly in. This is what we could do better in. And I think it's been really cool because like our older children, we're, we're, we're really just kind of inviting them into some of those spaces. Uh, again, not to get feedback or not for them to be our third party, but for them to see when mom and dad are emotionally healthy as we can be, we're always gonna be working towards that. Um, and when they address an elephant in the room and they're having a conflict, they see all of these tools that we're utilizing and then they see what resolve looks like. Because I think so often we get stuck, like what Pastor Ryan was saying in his zones, he, he talks about a zone A, a zone B, and, a, and then a zone C. Um, I, I think it's so, so often that we don't get to that, that resolve, that kind of that end letter of, of finding, um, you know, what does resolution look like? And I think for our kids, it's so important for them to see that um, because, you know, growing up, 
you know, my, my parents, um, you know, they would have their arguments and stuff, but I don't know if I ever saw it full circle, you know, and, and I know for us, we tried to hide everything, but we don't want our kids to think that we never have conflict. Well, no, I mean, for one, it gives, I think it can give kids an unrealistic expectation for marriage, right? If they never see mom and dad engage in any sort of conflict, I think that can give them an unrealistic expectation for marriage that conflict doesn't happen in a good marriage, right? Um, or they know, but we never model to them how to navigate it. Where are they going to learn that? Right? Like if, if we're not giving them the tools to be able to enter into conflict, yeah. where are they going to learn it? Yeah. And that's where I think maybe if we want to um, talk about fixing the support. Yeah, where are we at? Where are we at time-wise? Oh, we got... We got like 12 minutes. So we'll wrap up with fix it, listen, support. Well, because this this was actually <laughs> birthed out of an elephant. Yes. Uh, so we had like in the first couple of years of marriage, we got, again, we had, we had a pretty long history, you know, before getting married, like just we knew each other as, as kids. But, and, and I think that set us up really well. But one of the things that proved to be an ongoing source of frustration in the early early years of marriage is, uh, let's say Nicole would come to me after work and there's some situation with a, a work uh, you know, coworker or something like that. And and she would be just talking about the, the frustration. And I'd say, oh, like, here's what you do. Like, I mean, I'm, I'd give her some really, <laughs> really good advice. And, and she would leave the conversation more frustrated than she came into it. Yeah, I would feel just so deflated. I'm like, I'm bringing you something that I feel so overwhelmed with and so hurt with and so frustrated with. And then you're telling me all the things that I can do to make it better because clearly you're all still failing and sucking at all these things. You know, like, I don't know. So we just, we got in this cycle and and again, just the, the frustration level would grow. And I'm like, what's the problem? Like, can't you see how good my advice is? Uh, and I'd be like, and you, you're not hearing me. You don't understand. Why are you, why are you being this way? So we, we still, there are, the origins of this are a little bit ambiguous. We didn't come up with it. We just, we kind of packaged it in a certain way and we've found a way that it works well for us. Yeah. We keep finding tools and all these marriage counsel, all these, uh, you know, uh, weekends to remember, you know, things like that. We just like, Oh, that's a good tool. That's a good tool. Cause again, you're going to build a much better house when you've got like the whole a lot of tools, you know, yeah. the whole thing. So, so from this, this place of kind of ongoing frustration, we got our elephant to the room. We had to figure out what's going on here. Like, how is it that we, we are continually, you know, frustrated with each other because right? yeah. because she'd come to me frustrated with work and she'd leave frustrated with me now i'm frustrated frustrated <laughs> with her because she's not taking my advice which would solve all of her problems <laughs> right and, and, and round and round it goes right so, so then we realized what i needed really in that space was i just need to listen i really just need somebody to hear what i'm saying go with me in one sense to the dark place of you know feeling frustrated and sad and hurt betrayed all of the emotions let me experience all of the emotion and this is where i want you yeah there we go i was singing this hand oh, okay. hold my hand hold my hand go with me it's okay you know so that's listen fix it is pretty self-explanatory yeah listen is almost more of like a hey if, if she comes to me and she's frustrated i say 
And this is actually the way that it plays out when we're doing it right. And we forget sometimes, right? She'll come to me. I can tell, hey, there's, there's it's kind of an emotionally charged situation. So I will ask before we even get into it, is this a listen? Is this a fix it? Or is this a support? Again, listen, like she just said, that's kind of a, hey, she needs to be able to vent. She needs someone to just listen actively, right? Which fortunately for all of us, that's a learnable skill, right? We, we, we actively listen. We, we're still engaged, right? But I can, I can tell the fix it part of my brain to just, you know, <laughs> sleep for a while. Take a bench. Right? He's, <laughs> he's not in the game. Right, so that's that's listen. Uh, what's and you said fix it. That's yeah, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm in a good place. Cause I'll, sometimes I'll tell him that. He'll ask me, is this a listen, fix it, or support? And I say, fix it, baby. I'm ready. Give it to me. I need the solutions. All the things. Tell me what you think I should do. Um, which that's great. And then support. That's kind of a, a third element to this that we developed along the way yeah there's a lot later a lot later is like like i don't i don't need somebody who's just listening you know like here's a rock i'm talking to uh which you know is cool but like i need somebody to be like man if i were in your shoes i would feel the same way it's, it's, it's far more of an empathetic yeah uh kind of approach the way that we've described it in other in other conversations is Right? Like if, if a fix it is, hey, she's down in a dark pit, I throw her a rope and I drag her out of the pit, right? That's that's a fix it. Yeah. Support is she's down in the bottom of this dark pit. I actually walk down into the dark pit with her, right? To try to say, hey, man, if, if I were in this situation, what would I be feeling? Like what would my outlook on, on this or on life be, right? And I try in some small way to understand what it is she's feeling, Right, not that. Oh, like, hey, she's depressed. All right, now, well, now I'm going to be be depressed. But no, but I try to understand, huh? Like, if I had no motivation to do it, man, like, how overwhelming would life seem in this moment? And I try to under uh, try to understand that, like I said, in some small way. Right, and, and and even in that, you can be like, man, I'm I'm so sorry that you're walking this right now, you know, because. You know, like, like you, you see that too, and you can apply this really, not just in a marriage setting, but friendships, you can apply it to really anything, you know, like, um, I heard someone say like, you know, Hey, they had, they had, they had lost a baby, you know, and, and someone else was trying to comfort them. Oh, you know, well, like that's kind of a bummer that happened, but like, at least you have three other kids that are still alive, <laughs> you know, not helpful. Not helpful. Not helpful. A support would be like, you know, really all that needs to be said is like, I'm so sorry this happened. Sometimes it means you don't say anything at all. That's it. And you just sit and cry with that person. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's support. Like yeah. that's, it's, it's that a deeper level of, yeah. of, of empathy than what just the, the listen. Again, listen, you're actively listening. But this is, you're tapping more into the emotional right. uh, aspect of things. Now, there's a caution, and I think we were just talking about this, I don't know, today or yesterday, something like that. The caution is you, you can't use this as an avoidance tool. Right. Okay? Like, so, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we have to be called out for bad behavior. Yeah. Right? Sometimes there's an elephant in the room that has to be addressed, and maybe I go, I go to Nicole, and I'm talking about a situation that maybe I'm I'm upset about or whatever, and and I'm she she responds and maybe over the course of the conversation she points out, hey, there are some things in me 
that are contributing to this particular situation. I can't say, well, hey, this is just a listen. Like, shut up and leave me alone. Like, no. Can't do that. No, because no, sometimes no, no, we, have to, we have to get called out on, on yeah. kind of our, our contribution to some of those things. Yeah. Yeah, now, maybe she does that in that conversation. Maybe it's something to where afterwards, after I've vented and gotten it all out. I actually, I had that. I had that with my counselor. It was, it was awesome. It was, a, it was a very convicting. <laughs> um, but we were just talking, and I was processing through kind of a, a, an elephant situation. And, and, and I'm, I'm venting, I'm going in, and he says, wow. He says, that person sounds like they're almost as judgmental as you are. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> right there, yes. Self-awareness brought so, to my face. again, this is where we need those people that are, in a sense, going to hold up that mirror to us in some of those situations to uh, yeah. to see what it is that we're adding to the yeah. to the mix and <laughs> maybe we're 95% of it um what are we at time wise yeah we're good <clears throat> okay so hey there are a lot of different directions we could go with this honestly um and, and we're not going to say that it's easy some elephants are going to be really challenging for you to yeah. to engage yeah. yeah especially if this is something you know childhood hurts traumas uh abuse I mean there are a lot of different things we're not saying it's easy Right, and this is where, again, there are times where you have to bring in a, a third party. And, and like we said with the conversation with the kids, this isn't just grab you know, one of your kids or grab your random neighbor. Be intentional. If you feel like this, you have a, an elephant situation and you need to bring a third party in, be wise yeah. uh, with who you invite to the table. Uh, bring in somebody that you you love and respect, somebody that you feel like knows you to a certain extent, uh, but also not, you know, don't just bring in somebody who's going to, you know, quote unquote, be on your side, yeah. right? Because that, then we're, we're kind of off right from the get go. Cause now we're, we're teaming up on somebody, you know, and that's not great. Beauty of a counselor, they're, they're objective, yeah. right? Like, I mean, they don't have a dog in this fight. Yeah. So be wise, again, especially for some of these more sensitive situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't just grab anybody. Um, think through that. Pray through that. But hopefully, kind of coming out of this message, we are all challenged to pay more attention to the elephants in the room, yeah. to pay attention mm-hmm. to our contribution to the elephants in the room, to ask the questions, why am I avoiding this? What's that underlying fear? Kind of like, you know, you were talking about that with the conflict. Oh, like, I don't want to lose this relationship. Is it better to persist in a miserable relationship? No, I don't think so. Let's let's step into the mess. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, hopefully we've got some tools. We're not going to be able to figure it all out in a one-hour podcast (laughs) or a 40-minute message. But hopefully you got some of those gears turning. And yeah, there are a lot of other ways we could go, but... Try to be disciplined with our time here. So, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, this has been episode sixty. <laughs> uh, it'll show up on the screen or on your on your device. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, share, subscribe. Uh, every single person on Earth is in some sort of relationship. <laughs> uh, so we we would like to think that this could be beneficial as we try to grow in our emotional health within relationships. Uh, we hope that the people around us could grow in, in this area as well. So if this is something that uh, you found beneficial, again, just go ahead and share it. If you're listening to it, if you give us a review, if you think it's awesome, give us a five-star. If you think it sucks, uh, you, you don't have to give us a five-star. You know, just uh, 
just tell us why. Email Josh at the Radiant Church. If you hate it and you think it's total garbage, uh, you can give us a crappy review. Just we would love to get your feedback on why you think that. But I do love that. Like if you do share it because it's helpful, that's good because we do learn from each other. And as we're all learning how to navigate emotions and relationships and all these things, we are so much better together. Isolation, introvertedness. Let's all like, you know, work past our, our things and, yep. and and do it together. Yep, that's good. <laughs> hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Again, it was a privilege to have my, my lovely wife hanging out with us. And uh, for our friends, for us use their space. Yep. So, uh, but we will plan to see you next time as we continue our series, ER. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.